Hey, Sandy. Hey, Nora. What's new? Well, I'm not sure if you've heard, but there's been a big debate in Quebec. And I actually I guess that's not the right answer to your question because it's very old. <laughs> <laughs> it is old with some new developments. Yes, yes. But before I get into that, what's new with you? Oh, you know, not much. <laughs> I really don't have anything to add because we, you know, people will be listening to this recording two weeks from now. And we literally recorded yesterday and I, had, <laughs> I already told you it was up with me. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're breaking the time barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is important to say what date we're recording this on in case um, things change. Well, if there was. Yeah. I mean, if there was a big change, I think we'd probably kill the episode. But. <laughs> We're recording this on uh, Poisson d'Avril, April Fools. It's called Poisson d'Avril? Poisson, (laughs) like April's fish? Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. I love it. Okay. I don't know why. Um, and so you're probably going to be listening to this on April 8th, because uh, I know that, um, you know, 90% of you listen to this the second we upload. And so, you know, there might be something that changes, but we thought that would be a good issue to talk about because by and large, um, there aren't going to be any major decisions probably on this issue between now and then. And so you're pretty much hearing fresh news, even if it's a week old. <laughs> fresh news. So tell me what's going on in Quebec. Yeah, so the government, which is the Coalition Avenir Quebec, uh, also affectionately known as the CAC, has. <laughs> the CAC. <laughs> I know, I I've, I'm like past finding it funny until I think about it, and then it's back to being funny. Right, right. So the CAC has has put forward a bill that is going to ban the wearing of religious symbols in various positions in the public service. And it will not apply to anybody who is currently in their jobs. So I think they say that's about 500 people. But it will mean that if you wear a religious symbol, you will have to remove it if you want to get a job as a teacher, as a crown prosecutor, as um, a cop, as a as a screw, you know, that someone works in a jail. <laughs> Uh, and then a couple of other positions as well. Any public official that carries a gun. So um, my favorite are like, it's called les agents de la, f- de, de la faune, um, forest agents. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, first agents. None of these folks can wear religious symbols. Um, and as you can imagine, that's created a lot of uproar and anger from people. But it has mm-hmm. also got a lot of support. And so that's kind of where we are right now. The, the polls that the CAC had cited um, in, the, in the days after they put the, the, the motion forward put the support somewhere at like in the 70 percentages. Oh, wow. Yeah. And to put that into perspective, um, a similar poll was co- conducted across Canada. And in this poll... Uh, in Ontario, a majority of people supported a similar piece of legislation being passed, which I was actually a bit surprised by. Do, do we know by how much? It was slight. It was slight. Okay. It was it was like 55% or between 55 and 60. And then the province that was like the most opposed to it was Manitoba. Hmm. Okay. 
Yeah. Interesting. So, but, okay, so this is happening, um, but it's probably not that bad, right? Because we've got this whole Charter of Rights and Freedoms thing where people can use it to challenge such draconian measures. No. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. And so because of that little um, bug in the feet in the in the system, the CAC has uh, already indicated that they will be invoking the notwithstanding clause to protect it from court challenges. Oh, drat. Yeah. And and interestingly, you know, it's not just that it violates the Canadian Charter. It also violates the Quebec Bill of Rights. Oh, interesting. And so, yeah. um, And I saw one analysis that said, like, any bill uh, is of rights is still kind of covered by federal legislation, and so the so the notwithstanding clause would probably be the backdoor out of a provincial piece of legislation as well. Mm-hmm. But as you can imagine, we're like in for many, many, many court challenges on this, uh, regardless of if the CAC thinks they've got an airtight way to just press it through. Right. So let's talk about this. This this is the episode of 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 the bad, the good, the good being the struggle against the bad, of course, being the law, and um and and all your questions about how the hell something like this can happen in two thousand nineteen. Okay. Well, well, let's start with the struggle against because the thing that you know you you saying that it's seventy percent of the population means that there is a whole lot of education to be done on this because I mean if you've come to this podcast. And you're brand spanking new. Like, if it's not already obvious, Nora and I are not in favor of such um, rules being placed on people's bodies and what they are able to do um, of their own free will. And I, I'm wondering, in a in a world where 70% of uh, the population is in favor of such rules, what, where, where is the fight back? How? are people organizing and why is it so bad after so long you know because it's like I feel like this argument has been um, in the news for uh, for years and so I like why are we at a place where it's 70% that doesn't that seems like a failure yeah yeah part of the of the real issue is that immigration in Quebec pretty much all centers around Montreal and so that really poses uh, just a very real problem that a lot of Quebec's other major cities are unbelievably white. If you look at mm-hmm. the at census, census data, you'll see Trois-Rivières, uh, Lac-Saint-Jean, cities in the Lac-Saint-Jean region, um, Quebec City, like pretty pretty close to the top of being really, really, really white. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's some like just complete and total ignorance going on. There's some of the history of Quebec that's really uh, important to to know about, um, not to be able to justify this, but to just understand a little bit about how it can be so palatable. So there's, you know, Quebec was ruled by the Catholic Church for years, and there's full generations of people that were in abusive school settings by women that wore religious symbols. And that common experience in Quebec of, of you know, being beaten by nuns or, 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 or being controlled by the Catholic Church or being forced to have like 10 and 12 children. It's it's history. Uh, it's it's getting further and further back in our history. But there's kind of this amazing swing uh, that that you if you look at the, the 20th century in Quebec, you have what they call the Grand Noirceur, the Great Darkness, which was the years of this total uh, control of 
the Quebec population by the Catholic Church. And then the 1960s mm-hmm. and 1970s, you start to have a complete reaction to that, where the left in Quebec was radical, was um, communicating with liberation struggles around the world, uh, where uh, there were soft reforms, there were, there were people calling for more radical reforms. People obviously remember the FLQ crisis. And mm-hmm. out of the 1970s, you had uh, a, a, a complete break with the religious state. And so Quebec started to create programs like the CEGEP program, uh, the Caisse de dépôt et Plasma, uh, Hydro-Quebec. All of these institutions became a way for Quebecers to try and ca- take back control over their over themselves because, you know, the, the church wasn't in charge of them by accident. The church was in charge of them because Canada put the church in charge of Quebecers so that they would be controlled by something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now we're seeing a reaction to that era where there really is a, a sharp turn to the right, where um, a lot of people are using radical atheist kind of thinking, I would call it. You know, that, that idea that like anybody who's religious is an idiot and they have no right to push the religion on anybody and how dare they. Mm-hmm. And that that completely overlaps with the the racism that comes out from the far right uh, around discussions around of, uh, of immigration and of Islam and the combination of the two. Mm-hmm. And uh, and a government that is so populist that literally the only things that they're going to do are things that are popular in the polls. And so beyond them saying, well, this has been a debate for, for years in Quebec and this is a way to put the debate to bed because this is what Quebecers want. That's that's literally the argument underpinning why the government's put this law in. Oh my goodness, people must be so terrified, <laughs> especially in Montreal. And it's yeah. it like, yeah. which also kind of begs the question of the way that we do democracy um, being uh, so geographic uh, and whether or not that in of itself is right. So so what's happening like is there a fight back I feel like I should know more about this but I don't I'm gonna be asking you quite a lot because I know you're you're in it um is there are there groups that have been doing organizing around it who have been traveling I suppose because how else would you effectively organize against it and like what's Quebec Solidaire doing yeah, so there is definitely resistance. So um, organizations and and another important question is this: is this popular amongst all the parties, all the major parties in Quebec, or is this, uh, you know, just of, you know, Legault's party? Yeah, um, I'll start with that question, and then I'll kind of maybe do the tour of resistance. So. The Parti Québécois has said that they support this. They wish it went further. Um, of course, under their their charter of values, which was uh, kind of what took them down, actually, in 2014, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. their charter of values didn't do this. And so it's interesting. Like, it tried to do this, but it didn't really name where in the public sector, and it didn't get very far because it literally took the government down, which is like a ray of hope to say that, you know, not only can we take a, a 70% support of public opinion and turn it into a 20%, but there's like recent past history with that. But the Parti Québécois is also mm-hmm. in free fall. They're the third opposition party right now and their opinions don't fucking matter. Mm. The Liberals, uh, I saw it put uh, by CBC, the Liberals are half in favor of kind of the way that the CAC has been approaching this um, because the Liberals, while they oppose uh, restrictions in the public service, 
they do support restrictions to giving and receiving services with a face covering on, which was their famous bill from just at the end of their mandate that they tried to put into action. And it was so ridiculous that, you know, but the second you try to ban something, a lot of weird possibilities happen. So people were wondering, like, can you kick someone off the, the bus if they're covering their face? And what's the difference if right. they're covering their face religiously or if they're covering their face because it's minus, minus 40? Right. And that didn't go anywhere. But the, but the liberals are also in free fall. They don't have a leader right now. And um, they are really absent from public discussions. And so that kind of leaves Quebec solidaire. And Quebec solidaire is a really good reflection of, I think, where the left, the institutional left has been um, in Quebec. So in 2007 and 2008, there was something called the Bouchard-Taylor Commission. And it was supposed to take the temperature of secularism and reasonable accommodations in Quebec. And it was the biggest public consultation in Quebec after the public consultation around the referendum in 1995. So the second biggest consultation. So it was pretty big. Like they had almost a thousand submissions and thousands of people testified in front of the commission. Mm-hmm. And it was it was seen at the time as an extremely progressive and enlightened document because it placed the blame uh, for uh, creating tensions among people around religious accommodations. So, you know, putting uh, uh, um, frosted glass over the windows at the YMCA so that people can see people swimming. Um, uh, can, what, was a child allowed or a teenager allowed to, to go to high school with a curpen? Uh, was a young uh, girl allowed to go to elementary school wearing a hijab? So these were kind of like the flashpoint issues in Quebec society that led to uh, the government creating the Bouchard-Taylor Commission. And Bouchard-Taylor found, the, they had many recommendations, but they found that the media was playing the worst role in fanning the flames of hatred in Quebec. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, Bouchard-Taylor... Um, also made a recommendation that no public service service uh, workers should ha- should be banned from wearing religious symbols, with the exception of anyone in a position of state authority that uh, could be violent. And so that's where you get the prison guards, the cops, and the uh, and judges and crown right. prosecutors. And so this was 2008, and and it kind of became the default for the left because the left was not really able to argue this very well. There was like a strong current in the women's movement that saw the hijab as oppressive and that was just opposed to it. Must be said, the women's movement was very white, and so <laughs> um, they. But but because of Bouchard Taylor, it kind of gave everybody mm-hmm. uh, that compromise to say, well, these these two men are very educated. They did a, a lot of work. The report is very good, and so we're going to default to the Bouchard Taylor position. And so in the last two years, very important things have happened. Number one, Charles Taylor has rejected that part of his recommendation and said he made a mistake. Oh, interesting. Yes. And Bouchard has also said that he made a mistake, but his rejection has been a little less as equivocal, as unequivocal as, as Taylor. But, you know, but so both of them are saying like, yeah, we made a mistake. Uh, and number two, uh, civil society organizations that used Bouchard-Taylor as kind of the way to not necessarily have to get into their own internal debates on these issues because of all the reasons I've already said, they started to change their positions as well. And so, you know, the Federation of Quebec Women, they got rid of their position as being Bouchard-Taylor in 2018 at a special general meeting. Mm-hmm. 
and then the union started to follow suit as well. Uh, the CSN, which is the one of the, 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 the major labor federations in Quebec that is not known for really great positions necessarily on these kinds of issues, but they represent a huge swath of the public sector. They got rid of their position being Bouchard-Taylor as well in the fall of 2018. And it was kind of a surprise. The mm. Autonomous Teachers uh, Union, which is a very progressive union, they got rid of their position on Bouchard-Taylor and supported no uh, uh, no restrictions. The the English Quebec Teachers Union has just done the same thing. The, the CSQ, which is another union that represents public sector workers, they also have just moved away from that position. And so mm-hmm. there's been this incredible shift in, uh, in Quebec uh, society within social movements to say, holy shit, like, we... Like the the connection between the rise in hate crimes from like against Muslims, especially in Quebec, and the rhetoric of targeting Muslims and all of these discussions around the Charter of Values and the Niqab ban or whatever, like there is a direct line, and we were wrong. That's amazing. And is that coming from is is that coming from organizing or is it coming from Taylor kind of um, saying I I was wrong and these figures saying that they were wrong? Do you think? Taylor's about face has definitely helped the narrative but Mm -hmm. what I've seen like what I've been involved in and so I was I was just involved with a campaign at Quebec Solidaire to get rid of our position being Bouchard Taylor which is actually never the position of Quebec Solidaire but our spokespeople interpreted it as being the position Mm -hmm. it's another issue but it, it, it takes a lot of organizing because the 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 lack of knowledge on this stuff is really really there it's really major Mm -hmm. and and so in the last four months, I've been in debates and at events and, and watching discussions online and making arguments and watching other people make arguments and seeing how the debate was coming was coming out. And two things were very obvious. Uh, one, that there's a real generational divide in this stuff. Like, I don't think I can name a single person under the age of 40 who was like, yeah, we need to keep the Bouchard-Taylor position. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. Which is weird, right? Because it's also like, this is not just folks from Montreal. Like, I'm organizing Quebec City, and so the context here is quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that's very interesting is is watching people talk about their evolution on this issue. And so Quebec Solidaire organized a day of reflection on this issue in February, and they had Charles Taylor talking about uh, all of this. And there were people, and they, they this was out of Trois-Rivières, and they, they live-streamed it across the province, and so I was in a room with like 40 to 60 people talking about this in Quebec City, and people changed their opinion like that day, hearing the arguments and hearing how Muslim women in particular have been targeted by this ban. Wow. Yeah. And then, of course, I think that that can't be understated is uh, people were and are still very affected by what happened at the Islamic Cultural Center in Quebec City. Because uh, to see that explosion of violence clearly linked to the rise of the far-right rhetoric, not even necessarily the rise of organized groups, because, of course, the guy's not a member of any of the groups, but to see that influence and then take the lives of six men, that also was something that had come up in a lot of the debates, that, um, you know, on top of this being exclusionary and enforcing women into uh, into precarious situations or into poverty or making it even harder for women who wear hijab to get into the job market, for example, um, that it's also feeding uh, the kind of violence, violent rhetoric that we've all seen on the rise across the province. Now, I'm also seeing, like, some... I, I've seen some news that uh, seems to be promising about... 
teachers unions organizing protests and about the mayor of Montreal refusing uh, to or Montreal West refusing refusing to to enforce the rule. And I wonder if there's going to be a lot of that, like in schools or in these public places, if people are just going to try to uh, organize a, a refusal, because that that mm. is I mean, we've argued for that on this show in terms of uh, what's happening in Ontario in a lot of ways. And I, you know, this is this would be really hard to enforce this rule. Right. Like what what is the mechanism by which uh, the Quebec government is going to ensure that this this rule is enforced? Are they going to send people around to determine what people in the public sector are wearing? It, it really it really requires um, a lot of consent from from people who are uh, agents of the government and of the public sector uh, throughout throughout the province. And I wonder uh, if we're going to see a lot of that or if because it's so popular, like the 70% that, that people will just be encouraged to be more forward with, with their xenophobia and their racism, quite frankly, in order to, to, mm-hmm. to, to enforce this, you know, from like crowd enforcement. Oh, and I think we'll see a lot of that, which which is the the problem with any time you have a legis- piece of legislation like this, right? It gives a green yeah, light to people course. to be violent, right? Mm-hmm. There has already been refusals, announcements that people are going to refuse to implement this law. And so you mentioned the mayor of Montreal, Valérie Plante, has been very clear that she's opposed to it. And will, you know, yeah, I'm not I, I'm not exactly sure if there would be many people even under her jurisdiction who would fall into this. But mm-hmm. this symbol from a mayor of the biggest city in the province is totally important and critical. But mm-hmm. there's two school boards at least that have said they are not enforcing this. Mm-hmm. And there are other school boards that have said that they're very concerned. So they they're they're probably more conservative, and they'll they'll probably need that push. There are uh, groups of uh, people, and especially teacher students, organizing a, a blue triangle movement to support teacher students to be able to go into the profession that they're studying, wearing the religious symbols that they are currently wearing. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and then of course this is an HR issue, and so the 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 unions are going to play a massively important role. Like if you've got a school board where the union and the school board are on the same page, that mm-hmm. resistance is going to look quite different than a place where you have a compliant school board and a and a fighting union. But it's all good. Like all the resistance is good. I mean, can you imagine yeah. this happening against Doug Ford in Ontario? <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. It's like what we hope for, right? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> That's I mean, that seems really promising. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the question will be how much of this will be able to get outside of Montreal because it's going to have to get into cities and to communities outside of the of the of the center of the province for it to have its impact because the CAC is strongest outside of Montreal. Right. Like mm-hmm. they have I don't even know how many members they have elected in Montreal, but it pales in con- comparison to the rest of the province. And then there's a lot of other great questions, too. Right. Like when is a uh, 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 cloth on your head religious and when is it like fashion? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> or like, you know, jewelry. Right. I don't know if you saw right. this. Uh, there was an exchange with um, the minister and uh, an Anglophone journalist asked, well, what about dreadlocks? And he was like, uh, 
what are you what are you talking about what and she's like well will dreadlocks be allowed and he's like those aren't religious symbols what are you talking about of course they will be (laughs) (laughs) really no i did not see that exchange it's hilarious yeah, and so she was like, well, actually, some people do wear dreadlocks religiously. And he was like, no, they're part of your body. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, like, this is all yeah. so bizarre. Like, uh, the, the way that, again, all the shit on the right, like, really just is is focused on controlling people is super bizarre. But I don't even know if we can call this. I mean, the organizing is coming from the right, for sure. But obviously, this is something that's really popular in Quebec. Um, but, uh, I also have another question for you about like responses from the ground. What are the right wing organizations doing to organize, to support this or to, to congratulate the government or. Yeah, potentially. Like I imagine that they could be congratulating the government. Maybe they're saying that the government isn't going far enough because this is, you know, this is being touted as like a moderate version of what could have been right. So maybe. Maybe they're upset about it. I don't know. I'm just I'm curious because I imagine that this, regardless of how how they um, how they're orienting themselves around it, it's an organizing moment. Right. Just as much as it's an organizing moment for folks on the left who want to um, educate folks that this is, uh, you know, um, a highly problematic and xenophobic move by the by mm-hmm. the government like I, I'm just wondering where you know I'm wondering where the the right is at in Quebec well you your guess is correct that there is um, a principal organization that has been fighting for full separation of church and state and there's a bunch of other areas that uh, Quebec still funds religious stuff and it's pretty standard in terms of everywhere else in Canada it's the same thing so they highly subsidize private education that's religious because Quebec privatized its Catholic system and uh, and they had until last week they had the crucifix still up in the National Assembly which you know some people argue if you can believe it that the crucifix is a cultural symbol not a religious symbol because <laughs> Torture is a part of our culture, so maybe that's really true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Yes, uh, and so this organization uh, has been um, has been uh, complaining that it has not that it doesn't go far enough, but congratulating the government for having the courage to do this. And so this is where you really do see um, uh, an organization that is, I would say, far right. I would say is rooted in racism, but you know, does have people who are not white and who oppose the hijab specifically in their organization as well. And so they're, they're not the same kind of right wing as, you know, the La Meurts or the other, like the racist organizations, but their arguments are still racist. And so even this morning on CBC radio, there was a guy from Montreal uh, who was interviewed about how great this is and how they wish that it would, it went further. And so you can see the far right, Taking the frame and and pulling it further, mm-hmm. allowing Legault to go on to on TV like he did on Sunday, uh, on uh, March thirty first, and tell everybody that this is a moderate position because there's people over here that are mad about it, and there's people over here that are mad about it. Yeah. And it's so frustrating because it's like, sorry, who the fuck is this organization? I've never heard of this organization. I don't know who their members are. I've never seen them intervene in fucking debates on shit. And uh, all of a sudden, they are the ones that give 
oxygen and justification for this to be the balance because you know there's other state representatives who are not being asked to take off the religious symbols like university professors aren't included agents of child services aren't included uh, daycares aren't included and so like it just it doesn't make any sense I also should add there's a clause that says that if you are one of these workers that are already in a position you wear a religious symbol you will not be allowed to change your job you can't be what? promoted. You can't have a horizontal change. You are stuck there for the rest of your life. Oh, my God. That is so bizarre. It's totally bizarre. Now, the, the, but the question about what impact is it might this have on the far right, on the racist and identitarian groups is an interesting one, too, because I think that the imp- impact that those groups have in this whole discussion has been more in the past as in their rise has allowed the percentage of support to be so high and to give confidence to the CAC to put this through. A lot of those organizations are in like a lot of trouble right now. There's a woman who's the former spokesperson of, of one of the Lamert sections who's like in her house or who's arrested in the Dominican Republic for drug trafficking. Jesus. (laughs) It's awesome. Yeah, and so it, it, and so it'll be interesting to see if the if that oxygen kind of has the same effect on them, or if they're if they also just exist in a different space where there are other forces that give them power or that take power away mm-hmm. from them. So you know we, we will see. Like I feel like we've had a bit of a break from a lot of the high profile racist stuff in the last like couple of months. It felt like it's calmed down a little bit and you know having said that there's also been hate crimes at like the mosque in Levy and um you know this stuff continues like we organized an event on Islamophobia in Quebec City and it was crashed by three fucking uh white supremacists including folks from Storm Alliance and live streamed so you know like that sucked (laughs) but the impact one of the things that I'm very I'm very interested in is what is the impact that this is going to have on the resistance and on, 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 on creating that resistance now for people to come into activism, like like really mature in their activism in, in, in five or in 10 years? Because mm-hmm. the, the affront that this, that this poses on the rights of the person is undeniable if you are of a certain age. I think that we see that pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. And it does provide us the opportunity to talk about systemic islamophobia and to talk about barriers to the job market for racialized quebecers and to talk about like immigration versus people who like fucking convert to religion like what the fuck like in everybody's mind in the media like everybody who's muslim is not from here right which is just the the racist embedded embeddedness of this whole thing right 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 all of this is to say that like right now is a really crucial organizing moment and i think that what's uh really useful in quebec is um it, well, obviously really useful, but um, strategically is is the fact that you folks have as a, a left wing party that seems to be committed to doing education work. And um, that is a break from the way that uh, other parties operate across Canada who are are more have have kind of moved away from the, the tra- traditional, uh, roles that a party plays in addition to like trying to get elected like the the traditional roles of uh, seriously trying to modify the way that a society operates and I think that um, you know obviously you folks did a lot of work to get to a place where the, the position in Quebec Solidaire was one that 
um, you know, folks who are on the side of justice can support. And I think that um, in a place where, with an issue where um, location and geography is uh, such a barrier, um, I think that a political party is going to be one of the most important actors in addition to unions like broad unions um coalition unions uh, what's the word that i'm looking for like provincial unions mm-hmm. or federal Fed- unions federations sure they're called but federations there we go <laughs> like <laughs> that old one for. we work for like i i can think of no <laughs> pick that old one we worked for <laughs> <laughs> i can think of no other no like more well organized on a geographical scale organizations that are going to be able to do the type of organizing necessary on a broad scale like i i think it's going to have to be there and i'm and i'm is there a plan uh, there does not yet seem to be a plan because there's a, always I'm advocating for plans. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's always a tension in Quebec between uh, does Quebec's leader lead or do they follow the the lead of social movement organizing? Mm-hmm. So that and that's always touchy. And the Congress ended on March 31st. And so, you know, we're recording this now on April 1st. So I'm a day out of the Congress and I haven't I don't know. I don't know what the plan is, mm-hmm. but. There is so there was two main votes uh, at the convention that dealt with this. The first was on our, on Bouchard Taylor, which I talked about, and and like had we had this vote in November, it would not have been clear. I don't think. I think it would have been much more mixed that it that we that we may have won and we might have lost. And between the fall and now, so much work was being done. People were doing. Uh, member calling. They were uh, organizing their lists of who every activist was in every region of the province. People drove from Montreal to Hawaiian to do those presentations and and and, and between Montreal and Quebec City and, and further east to, to talk about this issue to make sure that everyone had the information that they needed to have to be able to make this vote. Because, you know, it, at one level, like, it's easy to say, like, this is the right decision and it's just obvious and it should be the one you make. But to create that social consensus is really hard work but that's actually the work that we need to do because every person that had this education and that had this change of heart or that has this position is now a node that is supposed to do this kind of work with their family and their friends and in their own communities right Mm -hmm. this is how we spread knowledge yes absolutely and and so the the vote that we had was so the way qs does does their votes it's it's a little bit um different but there was option a which was bouchard taylor so restrictions option B, which was no restrictions. And you didn't vote yes or no on each of them. You voted either for option A or either for option B. And there's a whole bunch of amendments and we went through all the amendments rather. And on the vote between option A and option B of a Congress of almost 300 people, there were maybe 20 people that voted for option A. So this was like really building consensus within the party. And then at the end of that, we had to then vote on the final motion because it was like we chose that we wanted to vote on option B. And then we voted on option B. And, and then the vote on option B was even more clear that there was maybe only two or three people opposed at the end. And then on the last day of the convention, there was an emergency motion to oppose the CAC's projet de loi, which, you know, it's a political party and they're a, an, an opposed political party. So maybe it's not that surprising that it was unanimous, but it was a unanimous vote. So the party has the authority to be able to now run with this. And 
it is kind of anyone's guess to see how they will do this. But because they're not a party like other parties, there is a wing of Quebec Solidaire that is about mobilization, that just does mobilization work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And not just on votes in Parliament, right? Mobilization work on other issues. And so, you know, members are going to have to really put pressure on different uh, levers that we have in the party to make sure that this is a focus of the mobilization team, that it's not just ignored by another issue like climate change. Mm-hmm. But it also will require seeing what happens with movements like the like the Blue Triangle movement in Montreal or, you know, what what we will organize here through the uh, Coalition des Actes des Actes Contre la Racisme at Québec, which is the group that brings together many, many, many groups here. Uh, once we kind of see what our options are, I think that's when you're going to get to see the plan. But this is not the only attack on racialized people in this province. The, the, the CAC has also just put forward a project, uh, um, a motion to destroy the taxi industry and render everyone's plates completely worthless. Wait, what? <laughs> and so... Yeah. And so there's kind of a double fight. And that was just announced, I think, two days before the religious symbols thing. So there's kind of a double fight that are different, but that are affecting racialized Quebecers in very profound and scary ways. And um, and so that's why I think the plan is a little bit more difficult, because it has to kind of also address other issues that the CAC is trying to do, too. But I think that maybe like what question that that you were kind of raising before about the role of political parties all of this poses a very big question for the NDP under the CAC's law the speaker of the National Assembly and the justice minister would not be allowed to wear religious symbols and the NDP has a leader who wears a religious symbol the federal government has a defense minister who wears a religious symbol it's like it's a very big problem for the NDP and it's even bigger because they have not done anything to organize around mm-hmm. this. And but what does NDP organizing in Quebec look like right now? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean, I you know, like I'm, oh gosh, yeah, that's <laughs> going in, going into an election year. Um, this is a major problem. Oh yeah, this is a major problem because of course, the the political decision. And the new law is also part of a uh, like a cultural stance, especially if it's like we know that the polls are saying 70 percent. That's a cultural that's a cultural stance. And uh, with the leader of a party who, as you say, wears a religious symbol. Where does that leave us? Like it leaves us in a place where there needs to be significant organizing, significant education work done in the province of of Quebec well everywhere because like let's be real like this is going to be a problem not just in Quebec but Quebec is taking like there is a there's like you know a cultural decision that's been made essentially um that's all like 70 percent that's like consensus levels in Quebec do you know what I mean so I you know uh, Quebec Solidaire, NDP, other groups. This is this is a big challenge to overcome, especially given how much representation there is uh, from uh, the NDP uh, or amongst, like in the House, uh, MPs from Quebec. Um, a number of which aren't aren't running again. So I don't know. Like this is uh, this is a weird time, I suppose, for the NDP in Quebec. I, I have no inside knowledge, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or like leaked knowledge about 
what the plan will be going forward on this, but I'm sure uh, that the news uh, of how much support this has in the province is making people very nervous. Well, it's bad news for the party because the party hasn't doesn't have an organizing tradition. And and the thing about Quebec is that it gives the NDP the opportunity and really the urgency to organize around something like this issue. Because going back to that statistic in the earlier part of the episode, if a majority of Ontarians support a ban on religious symbols in some some parts of the public sector, that's really bad for the NDP too in Ontario, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, so you you have this crisis moment in a province that has a giant block of votes. And that you need, if you're going to have any hope at all of having a significant showing in the House of Commons. Mm -hmm. And Singh has been elected for, uh, well, he's been running running and elected now for more than a year. So, like, the the work easily could have happened before he was elected. But he's been elected for for more than a year now. Mm -hmm. And so that's, it's like, what is the the responsibility that a, a political party has when they elect someone who is historically elected as the first racialized person uh, at the head of a federal party as uh, probably the first political leader ever that wears a religious symbol in Canada. Mm -hmm. You have to ask yourself, like, what, like, are you being negligent by not doing that organizing work to make sure that, that he can be successful? Mm -hmm. Like, and you know, the, the, the rest of the party, like, obviously this, this is a situation of like, injustice built into the system of Canada, of the colonial place that is Canada. Um, and the party needs to be oriented around undoing that injustice in such a way that it understands that it cannot go forward in an election without addressing this in some sort of organized way on the ground, right? And it shouldn't just be left to the leader to deal with this alone or the leader and his community to deal with this alone. The party itself, uh, you know, the, the, the type of left-wing party that I think we need in Canada is one that is committed to doing education work and the work to shift culture to be a more just place. And so it's, it's like, yes, recognize that this is um, the place mm-hmm. that we are in right now is an unjust place and know that, that there's... A massive party apparatus within the NDP that should be embedding this work in the very center of the work that they do, um, whether it's an election year or not. Yeah, because otherwise that education doesn't happen and it all gets wrapped up into politics and an opportunity is missed and someone becomes a sacrificial lamb like. It's just it feels so brutal to see so little work done in Quebec. And of course, I'm just oriented to Quebec because I'm here. But it's like these are winnable fights. It is it is fully, fully winnable. Like like Quebec Solidaire has had a, had a racialized spokesperson from the, its foundation. Right. Like it is it is 100 percent possible. To combat racism and to win and to change people's opinions but it is impossible if you don't do it. <laughs> right? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so, moral of the story is? 
well, we're going to come back and see probably how this how this plays out. The, the CAC has a majority, and so like the legislative part of all of this is probably going to go quite smoothly. Um, there will be some probably measures to slow down the debate or whatever, but by and large, it'll be probably passed. Um, but the but the resistance from civil society is is what's going to be act two. So you know, stay tuned on that. But uh, on the bigger issues, man, I don't know. Well, I thought you were just going to say organized because that's clearly the moral of this story. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, organized. 